is not what I am, even though my sin code has changed. I might smile and enjoy where I'm currently employed. Your soul can't be rearranged. But it's hard to understand. It's so hard to understand. Farewell, fam. Welcome to episode nine of Milwaukee's Tailgate Baseball Podcast, your weekly Milwaukee Brewers podcast. I'm Steve Garshinsky, and with me today is Ryan Topp. JP will be back next week. Today, we'll recap the series against the Cubs and where the Brewers go from here. Just a reminder that we want listener questions, so follow Milwaukee's Tailgate on Twitter at MKETailgate, email questions to milwaukees.tailgate at gmail.com, or follow our Facebook page for Milwaukee's Tailgate Baseball Podcast. You can also follow Ryan, JP, and myself on Twitter, and you'll find that in our Twitter bio. And you can now find us on Disciples of Euchre, so check out disciplesofeuchre.com for great Brewers content. Milwaukee's Tailgate is sponsored in part by, by Sound Devices, a premier manufacturer of audio production gear, and they're located right here in Wisconsin. Sound Devices gear is used worldwide and is found on the set of Oscar-winning films and popular TV shows. And if you're looking to create a professional-sounding podcast, check out the MixPre 3 and the MixPre 6. For more information, visit SoundDevices.com. Now with JP gone this week, we're going to change the format up a bit. Joining us today is the owner of JS Comments, Andy Schaff. If you aren't on Twitter, Andy collects the best comments from the JS Sports pages and shares these brain droppings with a wider audience. So I recommend following JS Comments and also following AK Schaff on Twitter. Andy, welcome to Milwaukee's Tailgate. Hey, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. Okay, so we're really looking forward to this because, you know, obviously we get to enjoy JS Comments. You know, every, every day uh, you're able to find something that uh, the readers of the Journal Sentinel uh, decide to post online about either the Brewers or the Packers or whatever is going on. So uh, now you have your top five JS comments for the week collected right now, correct? I do. So, yeah, as anyone who follows the feed knows, it's it turns out to be Packer-centric a lot of the times just because Packer fans are absolutely crazy. Wait, um, wait, wait. A lot of the, the Packers, I don't know if you guys know The Packers this, dominate yeah. the news here in, in yeah, Wisconsin? Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, it's this little football team. They get a little bit of coverage. They have a few people that really like them. Uh, a little passionate. Uh, the brewer ones are usually less, but also sometimes a little crazier because the people who take the time to comment on them are obviously uh, a little more insane. So they had the Cubs in town this weekend, so that brought some Chicago fans on to the the great Journal Sentinel website. So <laughs> I put together a top five uh, kind of list from this weekend's big uh, four game series, and we can kind of go over them today. Yeah, sounds good, Ryan. You're looking forward to this? Yes, okay. yes, I am. I didn't know if you were like kind of trying to scout this out ahead of time because I know you knew we were doing this. No, I didn't actually made I made a purpose not to scout them out. Okay, so these are all a surprise to us as well. Yeah, I mean I may have over I may have seen one, but I wasn't <laughs> thinking about it. <laughs> okay. So a- Andy, take it away. All right. So the first one's kind of a philosophical one. Uh it's something I think about and I, I'm hoping you guys have some opinions here. Uh so here it goes. The first one is it's almost, and maybe it is, Brewers players played hoping to win and not to win. A big difference. Okay, is this in regards to the the extra inning games they played? Uh, this was posted on Saturday before the Saturday game. So after the Thursday and Friday games, Brewers playing hoping to win and not to win, and it's a big difference. Ah, got it. Okay, so basically, so this is it's a comment on extra innings. They aren't able to pull yeah. out extra inning games. What do you think? To what, hoping and not yeah. So what do you think, hoping, Ryan? Yeah, yeah they, the difference they, between hoping and expect. It, uh, did they say expecting or was it because the the whole expect to win thing? 
Like if teams that go out expecting to win, well, they just go out and win. And, and it, those that teams that hope to win. Well, I mean, the Brewers generally didn't have much hope in extra innings this year since I think they're like 5 and 11. No, it five and twelve. Five and twelve. Well, now? or yeah, whatever. So when like they that, won, yeah. when they won on Saturday, the the Shaw walk off was their fifth extra inning win, and I know they had at least ten. Losses. Yeah, and I yeah, that was utterly stunning. So apparently, that's what it takes. Is is they they just had a hope chest there in all of their lockers, and it just <laughs> wasn't quite coming through for them. They had their rabbit's feet. Yeah, exactly. And that's they were counting on that to. No, I mean it's. <laughs> it, Yes, the the post hoc sort of like, oh yeah, that's that has to be the explanation. I mean, well, this all the people around the team say that like of all the teams they've been around, this team doesn't let stuff carry over, and they come in loose, and they're just they they expect to win. So this seems like maybe the least applicable time that you could have something like this. Like this team would be the least applicable case of this. I don't know, but yeah, apparently they, this this uh, commenter just believes that they don't have the mental fortitude to go out there and, and get these wins. So we're in Hawk Harrelson territory. Here. Exactly. Well, he said it was a lot of Chicago. TWTW. So. TWTW. So yeah, that's a Chicago one. The next one is also Chicago, and this is probably less provo- thought-provoking, but <laughs> this is posted right before the Shaw walk-off. Uh, as predicted, Cubs will sweep. You're sorry, and then I'll keep it PG here, but you're sorry, butts. But there was a, a little more of a, a swear word involved there. Oh, wait, so that one came in right before the Shaw right walk-off? Before the walk-off. Yeah. Oh, that you know classic classic troll right before it blows up in their face. Yeah, I see that. You you really Yeah, if you if you want to do it, you should really wait and get that win in in, in the bank there. So let before. me get this straight. This was a person coming on to the Milwaukee Journal Sentinels uh, comment section. And presumably now you have to pay a subscription fee, right? That's the that's the rule. Like they've changed that to like you get a certain comment. amount of free articles. You get a certain number of free ones, but then yeah, I think you have to pay for it. So yeah, well to really to have an account where you can comment though, I think you do well, have to I have th- like a I think you have to log in with like Facebook to be able to comment, and then yeah, the if you have a subscription, then you can do more stuff with it. Okay, so presumably they took the time to sign up to do this and like whatever. Well, hold and then on, come hold in on. And start like. <laughs> We are. There, there's a bigger issue here. Like, okay. I, I never think of of uh, comments on a well, because what article would this have been on? Or were you uh, finding they, this on Twitter? The gamer from uh, the night no, this before. Is like, this is like a. They have like an open game thread. Basically. Oh, it is a game thread. Okay, because I'm like, who would go on to like you know the the game article from Friday night to comment on what's happening on Saturday's Saturday's game? Somebody with a lot going on in their Somebody life. Somebody with a lot. Well, and they haven't learned about the rest of the internet apparently. <laughs> yeah, there, there are other places you could go to. Wait, um, things happen live on the internet. Yeah. Uh during Friday night's game, I had a person come into my mentions. I was talking to somebody who's a Red Sox fan about why the Brewers games are bad at Miller Park. And I shared Paul Noonan's wonderful article on that. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're talking about Brewers game, Brewers Cubs games Brewers at Cubs. Miller Park. Right. And how it's, it's a different thing than like Brewers Cubs games. Like I've been to many Brewers Cubs games at Wrigley and I've never had issues. And I have issues almost every time I'm at Miller Park. There's something stupid going on. And... So it was kind of explaining that and trying to get through this. And a person came into my mentions literally to scream at me and tell me I was wrong about the fact that Cubs fans are obnoxious. And his way of proving that to me was to be incredibly obnoxious in my mentions in a conversation I was having with somebody else. 
So it was, it was fantastic. Well, it was wonderful. That, that's how you remain obnoxious, is to remain oblivious. So, Okay, let's move on to number three here, Andy. N- number three, there was an entire list of song lyrics that uh, had utterly confused me, had never heard them, uh, had no idea. So I Googled the song lyrics, and they were to Nat King Cole's 1957 song, Party's Over, <laughs> which is the most Current. journal set Someone posted a 1957 song lyrics after the Brewers lost on Friday night, which brought me a lot of joy. I appreciate it. Wait, okay. What was the song? Uh, It's a song called Party's Over by Nat King Cole. Oh, is that the one that Don Meredith used to sing on like the first seasons of like Monday Night Football? I think it was. I think that's what it was. He would like start singing some cowboy honky tonk version of like, turn out the lights, the party's over. So it was a throwback in the early 70s and this person's digging it up in 2017. Because he was always drunk. So yeah, this guy probably was as well. Yeah, probably. And it was possibly Don Meredith. We don't know that for sure. If he's still alive. He's dead. He's very, very dead. Well, family member. Oh, we don't know uh, how, how widely used Twitter is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> From the great beyond, you can communicate on Twitter. Let's not make assumptions here. Yeah. If you if you were Don Meredith and you were dead, that's definitely what you'd be doing. If you could communicate with the living world, posting at Twitter.com. Tweet me, Don. <laughs> okay, All right. let's move on to number one, four. This, this one is a little more, uh, this kind of plays in with number one here uh the brewers are learning they still need how to advance runners they still learn they need to learn how to advance runners and get a clutch hit well, i saw a lot of this on twitter clutch attitude is really well and everybody was losing their minds after the friday night game when they had bases loaded two innings in a row thursday night game thursday, thursday night game thursday yeah, night game. that was the first game of the series okay first game of the series they had bases loaded in the eighth and the ninth and couldn't uh scratch a run across for the win so yeah the one the ninth especially might have actually like taken a few hours off my life that just (laughs) that was soul crushing (laughs) well i'm sure every baby boomer who was watching uh they probably were trying to fend off heart attacks after watching all that not enough bunting not enough right there's never enough bunting. there's never enough bunting to get those guys across and it's a guaranteed run every time you do it right well no bunt runs we've been over this steve Bunted runs count double, they so do. they're worth more than like, you know, one of those sissy home runs. It, it does mean more when you bunt a guy in. Yeah. All right. So the last one here, and I'm going to contextualize this by bringing up a, a Ryan Top tweet um, from July 11th of 2015. Oh jeez. Whoa. <laughs> so, uh, did you have to request this from Twitter? <laughs> I did. I sent them an email. They sent this back to me. Uh, Ryan Top, terrifying. July 11th, 2015. Taylor Youngman is quickly becoming an object lesson on why <laughs> proper contextualization is essential in prospect evaluation. Hashtag Brewers. So with that as a background, uh, the last tweet, or the last JS comment, I still don't understand after a team in such dire straits doesn't give even a sniff to Taylor Youngman. So... I don't want to say that Ryan is commenting on journal uh, journal <laughs> comments, but he's probably commenting. I would imagine comments. he is. He spends a lot of time online, and he's got to find another forum besides Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, are you still are you still waiting for that that chance for Taylor Youngman? Oh no, <laughs> I was gonna I was gonna try to say something. <laughs> no, I mean, 
he he's yeah. going to get a chance to pitch in the big leagues again, but whether or not it'll amount to anything. Honestly, you say no, I'm pretty sure that has now happened within the last like maybe couple months. Early in the season, I think you were still on the uh, Youngman bandwagon. You thought he, he finished strong last year? Yeah, I wanted him to get a chance, but he's sort of been passed up. So Because he's not that great. Probably, yeah. Yeah, so I, I think, uh, yeah, that that tweet won't age too well for you. So, well, but, and apparently but, it's already coming back to haunt me. But I'm, I'm, <laughs> sure, I'm sure if we laugh too much at you, uh, when we have Andy back sometime, he'll dig one up from uh, uh, JP or myself, I think, that probably hasn't aged well. Or one from me from, like, 2012. Well, <laughs> I'm sure we, we can go back, you know, especially 2008, 2009, and the Wild West days of Twitter and really find some stuff. I don't know. What would it take to get back that far? I, I did a Twitter search for myself. Uh, like I used to tweet about Matt Gamble all the time. And there's like a certain point I like go through my Gamble tweets where I just like completely switched on them where I was like, why aren't they playing Gamble? Like, you know, fire Doug Melvin for not giving Gamble a chance to me just switching on, you know, cut Matt Gamble. He's awful. It's, it's really kind of like performance art to read those Was tweets. this before or after the second knee surgery? I, I think it, I'm reading the timeline. I think it was like right after the – first one i don't know it's some somewhere in the middle there i gave up at him but it's a very abrupt switch from me wanting to fire everybody in 2009 for not giving gamble a chance <laughs> now is matt gamble difficult to search for because matt only has one t and it just like picks up every word that has mat in it i just did a gamble search you know expanding oh, it just, to just stick with gamble probably, but doesn't he have yeah. like a brother or cousin or somebody ben gamble ben, right yeah, he plays. He's in the big leagues this year, I think. Right? Yeah, the Yankees or something like he's that. Around. Or the Mariners or something. Those yeah. gambles. The first names have to be three letters or less. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember his his co Twitter account with his wife oh, yes. girlfriend at the time. That was the best. And the the bio was something like uh, two ordinary people living an extraordinary yeah. lifestyle oh, yeah, or yeah. something. That was the. <laughs> Oh, that's a deep cut, and that's really, really good. I forgot about that Twitter account. <laughs> and, like, you just knew that and Matt Gamble had no interest in running a Twitter No, it was entirely his wife. <laughs> I am almost positive. Like, I don't think he ever once tweeted anything, but she used his name because, obviously, that was the way to get followers. So. I, I think the only thing Matt Gamble had an interest in was swinging a bat, and that was it. Yeah, there was he, he, he didn't look like he went. The, the waters didn't run much deeper than that for Matt Gamble. So, okay. Well, Andy, thanks for joining us today. It was a great way to uh, uh, substitute for JP while he's out. I think he's at a wedding this weekend. So, uh, like I said, uh, collect some more tweets, go back and dig up some crazy stuff that we've said before, and then we'll have you back on. All right. Thanks a lot for having me, guys. So the Brewers just finished the four-game series at Miller Park uh, against the Cubs. And, you know, we were hoping going into this series that the Brewers were going to take at a minimum three of four, really, if they want to have a chance to stick around with the Cubs. Instead, the Cubs turned the table and took uh, three games in the series from the Brewers, knocking them back quite a ways in the standings, effectively ending the race for the division. So um, it was a great series, though, all around, though. You were, and you were at a couple of the games, right, Ryan? Yeah, it was competitive. Yeah, I was at Thursday and I was at Saturday. And it was, yeah, it was competitive and it was, the atmosphere was pretty electric and it was horrifying to watch at times. Like, it really, it was... It was as much stress as I've been under watching baseball since the playoffs in 2011. But, I mean, it was really until the Sunday game. That was the first one where the Brewers just kind of 
they weren't able to get on the board, and by the end of the game, kind of like they're out of it. Jose Quintana pitched a really good game against them, and you know they that will and they sometimes. worked. They worked Quintana. Yeah, they in did. That game. They really worked him, and Madden really let him go a long way. As for some reason, because you commented on that, we were watching it together. Yeah, you, he was at 115 pitches going into the ninth inning, and and Madden sent him back out there again. So um, again, I guess they really wanted to make sure they got that game, and they were that much closer to putting the uh, division away. So. They were clearly they, they weren't just thinking oh two and two and just kind of keep the Brewers at bay. They wanted to take the series from the Brewers, right? So, um, but yeah, the the first night I know was a heartbreaker. Uh, Zach Davies and Jake Arrieta, um, you know, obviously goes into the the tenth uh, inning, but it was the ninth inning that was kind of the heartbreaker with that Baez dribbler. Now you were there for that one, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, how did it look to you there? Because, I mean, obviously when we're watching on TV, you can't see the whole field out there at play. You just kind of all of a sudden see the ball squeak through and RC is not on screen yet. Um, I slapped the empty chair in front of me very hard and made a very loud sound with well, it. And that was and because it, it was just I, I was like crunching over and like hoping that the ball was getting, you know what I mean? And then the ball gets through and I just hit the seat in front of me and threw up my hands. And I don't think I swore there were children around. <laughs> well, I mean, and it's, crazy. I left that to the Cubs fans who were sitting by us actually. Well, and it's always crazy when you watch the hacks that Baez takes, you know, right. for him to hit a dribbler that basically, you know, playing him to pull that shift is what took Arcia out of that hole. Otherwise he, Arcia normally ranges to get those kind of balls. Yes. Yeah, it was. And it was just, it was just barely enough out of reach that, it could get through. And this was after the very tight call that allowed him to be on first base, which was probably correct. We think it was correct. Uh, watching that uh, replay over and over on TV, it seemed whatever the ump called is what that call was going to be when they repeated. Right. Yeah. So, and I know my brother, I was sitting next to my brother who is a Cubs fan. I've mentioned that before. And he was kind of saying, that he thought that he, that the throw beat him, that the or that the tag beat the runner, but it was so close you just couldn't tell. And it was, you know, I saw some angles of it later. You saw some still shots where it looked like maybe it was, like maybe was it Jeffress? Jeffress's foot beat him to the bag. It's yeah, been it was so, Jeffress. It's been so yeah, and I know and weekend, you know people were complaining that Jeffress didn't get to the bag quick enough, but it looked you, like he got caught on like one of those half steps where he had to he had to slow his momentum to take. Less than a full stride. Well, I mean, you had a couple factors. Walker was at first base, and you ranged over to get the ball. Right. So then it was a longer throw to get to first base. And obviously, Jeffress probably wasn't thinking initially with where that ball was going that it was going to be fielded by the first baseman. Right. And then also, you know, they're like, you know, sprint to the bag. And it's like, well, hitting a guy that's sprinting with a throw is also going to be difficult. So, I mean, there was a, there were a lot of things moving in that play that could have gone wrong. In the regardless. whole game, yeah. it, was, it seemed like one after another. It was so close, and there were so many close plays, and it just was, yeah, it, it was inches. Well, and the crazy thing is we had a similar play uh, the next night. With Corey Knable, uh, right in the ninth inning, I think it was. Ye- yeah, yeah, that sounds right. Or no, that was maybe in the tenth. Okay, was that to per- put the first guy on in the tenth? I think so. No, 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 no. He walked half, I think, to start that inning. But it was at, at any rate, whatever yes, it was, we it ca- seemed we kept it, seeing these things over and yeah, over and over like again. Replay, it was horrible. Yeah, you had Brandon Woodruff and John Lackey in the second game, and they both kind of pitched similar games where they gave up three or four runs. I think Lackey gave up three. Woodruff gave up four. Um, 
Right. You know, the Brewers are able to tie it late. And, you know, Knable comes in in the ninth and he, he does all right. And then in the tenth, that's when he led the inning off the walk. The bases got loaded and he walks the guy in. And again, it was a close play to even start putting guys on to begin with. And then a heartbreaker where, I mean, you know, the bullpen right now is throwing a lot of innings. Their, their best pitchers in the bullpen are throwing a lot of innings. And it started to look like it's affected them. Well, at least it eased up. I mean, in terms of going forward, yes, they definitely got overworked. The Pittsburgh thing, the fact that they had to run their best relievers out there in a loss on Wednesday in Pittsburgh, making them all then unavailable on Thursday and forcing the Brewers to to really go with, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh best options to try to get a win in a close game was really, that was tough. And that was, you know, it's how these things happen sometimes. But the Brewers are in a position where they have to try to scrape out every win at least, if there's any silver lining, it's the fact that the Brewers were able to back off their relievers on Sunday and allow, you know, and, and an off day is coming. So now they should be fairly well rested and ready after a tough week of a lot of use. At least now they've had, you know, they'll all have had back to back days off heading into Tuesday. So that's at least a positive. But yeah, it, it, it's amazing how well they held up under how much they were being asked to pitch. And incidentally, how much the Cubs, if you look at how much Joe Madden was using Wade Davis, Wade Davis pitched multiple innings to all three of the first three games of the series. I'd have to go back and check. I for believe sure, but I know he was, he was in for more than three outs on Thursday and he pitched two full innings on Saturday. Uh, yeah, Saturday he pitched two innings, and uh, it was the first blown save Wade Davis has had since September of 2016. Right, and then he came back in and so he blew the and save. Then got the loss. Yeah, he blew the save, uh, giving up the home run to uh, Orlando Arcia, which I think when Arcia hit it, it was a shot, and I don't think anybody thought that thing was staying fair. No, it absolutely. I was stunned. That was one. I was I was at the game with my wife and. The absolute surprise we've so I've had the, the season tickets that I've had since 2006. So I've seen hundreds of games from those seats. So you get used to all the angles and what a ball that's going to be a home run looks like and you know what it doesn't off the bat. That thing looked foul 100 percent. And the fact that it stayed fair completely took me by surprise. I did not react until it actually hit the seats because I was sure that that thing was going foul. And so the the absolute utter surprise of that moment was fantastic. I mean, that was I was up and yelling, and it was that was fantastic. Well, and that was the Fox game, and I don't think Matt Vaskersian like really had much of a reaction to it initially either when he was calling the game because yeah, everybody thought like oh it, it got yanked on the line, it was going to go foul. So yeah, no, my first was, my first words were that stayed fair. <laughs> like it was it was complete and utter shock, and it was in the best way possible, which was. Actually, then outdone an inning later, but... Well, yeah, and that was... The fact that, you know, Braun gets on base and then Shaw's able to hit the two-run homer, I mean... Opposite field. It it stole what looked like a certain victory from the Cubs it, away. Yeah, it felt like this was... And it also stole away... It was. It felt a lot like the, the last vestiges of hope. And also, after you've had well, two no. crushing... They they had moved past hope, I think, at that point. Yeah, and after two crushing losses in the 10th inning, 
like where it played out the same way you had chances you had chances you though this time the brewers were the ones who came back and and tied it and made it a competitive game late but it still it felt like you were seeing the same terrible like horror movie in slow motion again and then all of a sudden i i honestly i was my my head was i was pretty much convinced it was over i was looking at my phone when he made contact with the ball and my wife was up before i was and it was yeah just a complete and utter shock i didn't know if i was gonna be able to handle it if they would have lost that one in extra innings yeah, it was. It just would have been too much with the way it that, was. Well, and again, you watch this series as the way it's going, what the Brewers needed to do, and to be that close every time, and to just barely not be able to do it because of and in not just close games, but where the deciding factors are coming by inches. You get these. It's just an inch. It's a dribbler here. It's a. It's a being beat by a, a half a step at a at the bag. Well, it's and all those close plays. And you know, the thing is, we always like to laugh at uh, uh, Bleacher Nation, one of the, the bloggers for the Cubs, because yes. he constantly uh, it whines about the, the Cubs hitting into hard outs and he checks stat casts and, you know, this out was 105 miles an hour and this one was 100 and whatever miles an hour. And again, when things came together for the Cubs, it was a dribbler by Baez. It was, you know, the close play at first base. I mean, it shows you that it's like all that stuff's, you know, sure, you want guys to go up there and hit the ball hard as often as possible for the best chance to get on base. But that's just not the way baseball works. It's not who hit the ball hardest and therefore you get the best outcome. Right. And, you know, like you look at that in Thursday, perfect example of this was, there's a runner in scoring position first or so there's runners in scoring position first and second base Travis Shaw hits an abs I think it was Shaw right hits an absolute rocket in the bottom of the ninth inning right to Hayward in right fielder whoever the right fielder was at that point and the runner then had to hold up because the ball was hit too well the ball was hit too hard too well so a, a hit with runners in scoring position they weren't able to bring him in because the ball was just hit too hard to right at someone. Yeah, runner on second and a one hops to right fielder with, you know, basically lined up to throw home. So. Lined up running in already ready. To, yeah, it would have been, the, the runner would have been dead meat. There was no way. But like, that's just, that's part of it. And that's, it's things like that that make it so hard and so infuriating to just be on the bad end of it. But yeah. So uh, the Brewers are now five and a half games back of the Cubs uh, with six to play. So, Though it's not technically clinched, the Brewers are effectively out of the running to win that division. It's just going to take like a win for the Cubs to basically wrap this thing up. Yeah, their magic number, I think, is two. Yeah, it's down to something like that. So it it won't take much. And obviously the Cubs, they haven't wrapped it up. They're playing St. Louis, who's also just a half game behind Milwaukee. So they have some reason to go out there and and beat down St. Louis before this thing's over. At least early. It would be nice if... Well, see, the problem is, is that <laughs> the quicker the Cubs win, the quicker they... So if the Cubs win the first two or whatever, the more or the less that it means for uh, for them going forward. I, so once they clinch, it's... Yeah, I mean... I guess ideally what you want the Cubs to do is go out and take two right away. Like, they go out and win it right. themselves, and then the Brewers just keep winning if they want to have a chance at the wild card. Well, yeah, and they the Brewers do not play on Monday. The Cubs and Cardinals do. So, yeah, hopefully, I mean, we now have to make that awkward transition into rooting for the Cubs now to beat the Cardinals, which, you know. 
I mean, you know, they need to stay ahead of St. Louis, obviously, but, you know, two games against Colorado, that's what you're ultimately chasing. Right. Two games against Colorado and trying to fend off the Cardinals, though, again, they will be head-to-head against the Cardinals over the weekend. The Brewers finish in St. Louis. Yeah, it's not like they're going to finish out the season with the, the same record. No. Not when they're playing each other a three-game series to end the season. So. No, they shouldn't. That I mean, it could set up that way. It, but, yeah, yeah, it could happen, but it's yeah, it's it's unlikely. So, um, yeah, like we said, it looks like right now the best path to get in is going to be um, battling the Rockies. So what do you think the Brewers are going to have to do to catch the Rockies here? I mean, considering the Rockies now, they have an off day on Thursday. Uh, but they go home now after uh, playing San Diego and – they will face the Marlins for three games who who knows what kind of state they're in, though at least those games will have some excitement with uh, the Giancarlo Stanton uh, home run chase. So maybe there's some well, sort of like interest level and some sort of engagement because of that. that the, least- the home run chase that exists only because we still – have the number 61 etched in our minds yeah i mean i don't i'm not saying that this is for the actual record i'm saying that it's it's a meaningful thing it i I will say 60 home runs regardless is that's a number that yeah i think most guys are gonna go for it's a cool number and it's yeah 60 61 you know whatever you want to yeah i it i think it's that will at least bring some attention to the proceedings so hopefully that'll get the marlins jacked up a little bit because really they're in a you know, they were fringe contenders, you know, after the All-Star break. Not ever real contenders, but they were fringy-ish contenders at some point. Well, I but mean, the, the Rockies and the Diamondbacks were both kind of right there. Like, they were battling each other. And sure. now, I mean, the Rockies are six games behind Arizona. And the Diamondbacks clinched today, actually. Yes. So. Yes. I mean, I mean, obviously, the Dodgers were way ahead of everybody in that division. But all, all And unfortunately, those- that actually comes into play over the weekend because the Rockies play the Dodgers for three games at home. And the Dodgers are going to be, one would assume, pretty much in full, we're getting ready for the playoffs, so our starters will get, you know, the spring training treatment. They'll be in and and getting a few at-bats, and then they'll hit the showers, and then, you know, you won't see probably too much. You'll see a little bit of the best relievers for for the Dodgers, but I wouldn't expect to see them consistently in that series the the Dodgers aren't going to be playing to win those games yeah they're going to get more scheduled I mean what's the what's the difference right now between the Dodgers and the Nationals for best record in the NL oh hold on a second that's got to be it's like five games yeah okay so basically the Dodgers have that essentially wrapped up and unless something really strange were to happen yeah I mean the Dodgers need to go out and win like a game right or have the Nationals lose a couple, and then it's, yeah. Yeah, either either way. So really, we're looking at, we'll have, you know, the Cubs, who are going to be setting up against the Cardinals to start setting up their playoff rotation and setting up their playoff bullpen and resting their starters eventually, you would assume. And then on the other side, you've got, you know, the Dodgers who are going to be doing the same. So the Brewers did not draw well. Well, down the stretch here not, for how this is playing out. I would, hold on a second. I, would, I wouldn't complain about it. They have Cincinnati, who's not a great team. No, that, and that's and the then, advantage the Brewers have. And then the, they have to beat the Cardinals anyways. Right. And they get to play them heads up. So, so that, does, that does help. It, it's not like the worst scenario for the Brewers moving forward. No, it's not, it's not the worst, but it's also not, it's it's just not the best. The math doesn't work out very well for them right And now. when you're two games back at this point, yeah, so there's, you know, I, I, there's been some talk of the Brewers have to go undefeated from here on out. They have to finish six and zero, and that seems pushing it a little bit. I mean, 
honestly, the, the Cardinals and Rockies could both have subpar weeks. It's possible. It's not super likely, but it's possible that they, you know, both of them come in with like two or three wins. Well, you get to this point in the season and it's just win. Yeah. I, I mean, you, yes, it's unrealistic to just say, well, you got to win six in a row. But at this point, you got to just win. That's the only way to say, like, okay, we're going to work our way into the playoffs. They maybe, I, I will say, they maybe have a game to play with. Like, they could, a five and six finish like they did in 2008 could potentially. Five, five and one. Or, yeah, five and one. Five out of six, yeah. Yeah. If they could do that, it, it, it's at least feasible that you could think about it. Anything less than that, and you're praying for multiple. Uh, complete meltdowns and that's yeah that's just you know really wishful thinking so yeah so um okay uh we'll move on to some questions here we'll probably do it real quick and uh wrap this up so um first actually uh both questions are from jerry eldred um first one he asks asks is uh what do the brewers do for center field next year so, I mean, obviously, Keon Broxton's gotten a lot of time this year. They've experimented with VR. Phillips has been up, and then we know everybody's waiting for Lewis Brinson. So, next year, what do you think uh, the plan is going into the season? I mean, I think going into the season, it's it has to be that they want to hand this over to, assuming they deal Keon Broxton in the offseason, which I think is still something that's fairly likely to happen, Um then you go into next season looking at it like they want to try to establish and get a bunch of at-bats and time in the field for both Brinson and Phillips. That would be ideal to get both of them time. Uh, we still have to see, you know, if, if Lewis Brinson can have the kind of, uh, the kind of production and success at the big league level that he's shown now, you know, at AAA, you know, very friendly hitters environment. He did struggle a bit with injuries in 2016. So there's still some questions about, you know, how effective he's going to be. And I know Keith Law has mentioned that he thinks Brinson is, is due for a, a substantial amount of adjustment time just because of the way his game is. And, you know, it's going to take him some time to adjust to what big leaguers are doing. So well, and we saw he wasn't quite ready, or and it didn't help that he wasn't getting regular at bats. And that didn't help at all. But it also it it didn't it didn't not make sense for the Brewers if that sorry double negativing. But I mean, it made sense for the Brewers that they weren't necessarily going to just hand things over to him in the middle of a pennant race that's you know clearly come to fruition. They're in a pennant race. So and Keon Broxton is for all his flaws a guy that does play very good defense in center field and hits the snot out of the ball when he makes contact on it and can take walks. So he has those assets going for him that at least somewhat mitigate the, you know, the very high strikeout rate and yeah, some of the other you know, flaws of his game that are, you know, it, they're there. That's it's, it's true. It's a real thing, but he has some value. I just don't know heading into next year. If there's really space for him, if you want to, but Lewis Brinson and, and Brett Phillips really have nothing left to prove at the minor league level. No, they both need time. And, I mean, the Brinson hamstring injury late in the season, it has allowed Phillips now to be the guy that's kind of the fourth, th- three-and-a-half, fourth outfielder. Mm-hmm. And Phillips has shown you know some some true ability here, too. So, I really, ideally, I think next year I would like to see an effort built around trying to get all four of the, the guys I think are going to be the Brewers outfielders going into the season, which is um, 
Santana, Phillips, Brinson, and Braun. I would like to see sort of a, a, a goal set that they'd like to try to get them all 450, 500-ish plate appearances between well, them if they can. I mean, to try to give – Braun's going to need substantial rest. Braun yeah, needs time I, I think Braun clearly is a guy that, you know, you've had a good season if you get 130 games out of him. And Domingo Santana can – he doesn't have to be in there every single day. And he, he can he's not. And he's not. He and, gets regular days off. He's usually off at least once one game a week right now. Right, and that's fine, and that's that's perfectly suitable. And he's also had some injury issues. So between Braun's frequent injury issues, Santana, who has suffered through injuries himself, and we now can say Brinson has, you know, somewhat as well. Yeah, because he, what, jammed his hand early in the season and missed time, and then, yeah, he has a hamstring late in the season. So. Yeah, he's he's, you know, gone through some bumps and bruises. So I think that all of that... It, it makes sense to – and I really think – I like the idea of looking at it as an outfield unit. I don't see – there's not much point in having Domingo Santana play anywhere but right field and Ryan Braun play really anywhere but left field. That's well, pretty when much the, set. When they're on together, and I think Phillips becomes a – when he's not starting, he becomes a defensive replacement late. Or a your, your primary uh, pinch hitter, too. Sure. A lefty bat off the bench with some pop, and he has some ability to he, – he understands the strike zone and will take walks and work pitchers, and, you know, he, he's going to strike out, but they will generally be at least, you know, more of the good strikeouts than the bad strikeouts. I know it was mentioned that uh, he has been missing more – Yeah, his strikeout numbers this year, he missed more in the zone as opposed to chasing, which was more of an issue when he struggled – pretty considerably in 2016. I wish I could cite exactly where that was discussed, but yeah, that he's, he sort of has, has made that shift and yeah, you're going to miss some in the zone. That's, that's baseball in 2017 and the, the fly ball era. So that's, that's part of it. But uh, if you're also spitting on bad pitches and not getting yourself into bad positions, it doesn't matter as much. Well, and also again, you know, his Phillips has his defensive value, it's a lefty bat. And then, again, you can use him to pinch run as well. So, I mean, clearly he's going to have some use on the team if they do decide, you know, Braun, Brinson, and uh, Santana are, like, three primary starters when they get the majority of the time, which we're kind of iffy about. They're all going to kind of need time off. Yeah, Phillips subbing in in the seventh inning in, in left or right or whatever. I mean, really, a, yeah. do they keep Keon and they have five outfielders? It's going to be hard because I don't think... Or is the VR experiment in outfield going to be the direction they go? Okay, yeah. I guess I would say this. I don't see how they keep both VR and Broxton on the roster heading into next year. And Perez? Yeah, I mean, that's... Yes. Yeah. You definitely, at that point, it, it becomes tricky. Yeah. So if you're keeping... It, and I... It's not that I'm against keeping any one of them. In fact, I'm really very much for keeping especially VR because I think there's rebound potential there. I think we're, we have a good chance of seeing more of the player that we saw in 2016 again if he gets a chance to reset. You know, he's sometimes you guys get into these seasons where it's, they struggle and they have issues and it's just hard to dig out of it. It's like, you know, climbing up a mountain perception-wise and, and in their own heads. Uh, so... Give him a chance to reset and see what things look like next year. There's really not a lot to lose from the Brewers' perspective to do that, to see if, you know, 
give him a few months and see. It, it, all of this is, of course, you know, pending what they decide to do at second base, which is, for me, an even bigger issue heading into next year. I know with Neil Walker being so productive down the stretch, there's been a lot of talk of, hey, let's bring this guy back. And I think Brina's talked about that too, right? I mean, Yeah, I mean, if the deal makes sense. But, I mean, he's also making, I think, $17 million this year because he had a qualifying offer. Right. So you, it has to be something that makes sense, and it has to be something that fits into the the picture both short term and long term because you don't want to if if he's commanding three years or something on the open market which i doubt it would be doubt it would be more than two but i mean if he's commanding that kind of time on the open market the brewers are you know they need to just you know say thank you for the the help down the stretch here but you know good luck to you in your future endeavors yeah but i mean clearly this is this is getting to be the more difficult part of the rebuilding process like yeah. they have to, they have to start making decisions. Where up to this point, you just kind of accumulate talent and mm-hmm. just kind of see what shakes out. And now, all of a sudden, when you have a team that's competitive in 2017, and you think 18 might be a year that can be, I would say maybe on par. I would be surprised if the Brewers are like significantly better next year. If they if they do take a step, it's going to be because somebody like Lewis Brinson, yeah. Or Brandon Woodruff, or yeah. So well, and obviously it's going to take something like that because Jimmy Nelson is going to miss a chunk of the season. Um, that's kind of how I think Adam McKelvey had it written. Was they just expect a chunk? Um, a chunk, th- yes, a chunk. chunk. Well, they don't. They don't know exactly. Right. He had a little bit more in his shoulder that needed to be cleaned up than they originally were hoping. I, right. They didn't know. So until they got in, in there, they couldn't really say. And it was more than the, they were hoping to do. So, I mean, I would... But it also was not worst case scenario, they it, said. It, yes. Yeah. So he, he got to keep the arm. Um, <laughs> they didn't take him out back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Send him to a farm he is, he is not in your glue stick. Um, but anyways, okay, so it, missing a chunk of time, I would imagine if everything goes right from here on out, maybe we're looking at Jimmy Nelson can think about coming back in June. Right. You're looking like, at him as, hey, if you're in it, and maybe he's your midseason acquisition next year. Like, yeah. if you're in it, that's the... But a chunk, you're missing at least a third of the season. You're missing substantial time. But yeah. I would. But it could also be August, September. You know, he and just he needs to. He back. needs to make sure he takes care of himself on this and not push himself back early. And I hope... I'm sure everybody has his best interest in mind on this. It's, it's tough, though. And this is getting a little bit off track. But it is tough, especially for pitchers when you're in Jimmy Nelson's position, he has not had the big payday yet. I mean, he's been making league minimum, which is very good money. I would not turn it down, but $500,000 a year and his, his original signing bonus that he had, um, which would have been somewhere in the neighborhood of a million dollars. He has not had the big cash in. He was lined up for that coming into this winter or coming into this year. And the Brewers will, they, I don't know. I believe they have to, you know, they'll have to give him an, an arbitration offer. And I think yeah, have to you have to give that. a legit arbitration offer, even mm-hmm. if a guy's not looking like he's pitching much that season. I'm, yeah, I'm not actually sure how much they're allowed to figure into that. We'll we'll look into that and we'll come back with that in the off season. We'll make sure that we really dig into that you know, as we get into arbitration season and all that. But the tough part is, you know, he hasn't had his cash in yet. He hasn't had that life changing money, and he really, you know really earned it this year. And it's it's unfortunate for him that this happened right on the cusp of being able to cash in. 
Well, and especially in such a, a, a stupid way for that to happen. So um, anyways, the, the other the other question we got uh, from Jerry Eldred was, uh, does the Nelson injury increase the odds that the Brewers sign a starting pitcher in free agency this offseason? Yes. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, okay, so next, well, year, let's they, say- next year they go in, they have Anderson, uh, Davies, Woodruff. Looks like Woodruff's going to get a shot. Um, and then after that, it's, I mean, then Brent Suter, I think at this point has earned the, the right to go into camp as a true contender for a, 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 for a rotation spot. And that gives them a lefty. Mm -hmm. And I think, I I don't know, you know, I think Suter has a chance to be a a decent long-term option. They also have, I mean, uh, well, then you have Hader, obviously. Hater, Hater is another option that they have. There's also uh, Keith Law said in a recent chat that uh, Wilkerson is a legitimate fifth starter. He thinks now that he could potentially be a mm-hmm. a fifth starter as it is right now. So that's an option looking towards the future that you know, potentially could come to fruition. Um, they but, could bring back Matt Garza on a one year, five million dollar option, especially because of this situation. So that's you know. When you think about what you're going to spend to get somebody of his caliber, and I know everybody is sick of his face and just wants him to go away, and that's, I get it. Like people are sick of it and want to turn the page, but realistically, him for $5 million. Well, again, when you're looking for guys with some kind of major league experience. So, I mean, what what it looks like is there's also in the high minors, you also have like Corbin Burns, who could play himself into. The rotation. Oh, see, I was going to say, it's probably unlikely that, that Burns is going to like break camp with the Brewers. Break camp? Unlikely, but he could be the guy that they could call up in May. I mean, if he continues yeah, but, to pitch the way he is, he's on a, he's rocketing up the, up things right now and uh, up lists and in people's consideration. It'll be interesting to see. Though they're not going to want to, they're not going to want to call him up and then turn him loose. He's still going to probably be managed pretty. He'll have to be managed. Yeah, he'll have to Mostly. be managed to a degree, but that's something that you can do in 2018. It'll be 2018. That's something you could do in 2018 now. Um, but yeah, I think that even though they, those options exist and those are all valid, I think ultimately they are going to go out and add somebody. That might be in a trade, though. I mean, you could see Keon Broxton getting traded for someone who is a potential back end starter, you know, or in a package, you know. You could see something like that. So, well, but what, this, this point, question was about free agents. Yeah, so let's talk was, about free agents. Okay. So uh, the top two names on the board this offseason uh, are you Darvish and Jake Arrieta. So those two are probably bad investments for the Brewers. I mean, it would be great to get Darvish, but you're not, the Brewers aren't going to be able to go out. The, the Dodgers are going to get $100 million plus from the Cubs. You think Darvish is going to get it from the Cubs and not the Dodgers? Because uh, there was a lot of thought that the Dodgers went out and traded for Darvish, both for this season and because they wanted uh, a leg up to uh, sign him in the offseason. The Cubs have apparently been plotting on getting him for a while now. They've had this target, and they're... Theo Theo's pretty good at getting his man. Yeah, but he might say, I'm already in L.A. Yeah, and maybe he decides that that's where he and wants that, to be. And that saves me three hours on a flight to hey. Japan. Depending, <laughs> depending for you, depending on you know how things go with the Dodgers, he's had a, a rocky run with the Dodgers. Here, it's not been all peaches. There have been some very good starts, but there have also been some real clunkers. Well, it'll be interesting because again, the the Cubs lose Arietta, who's another guy that 
you know, had some high highs, but he's clearly not that same guy now. And he's, though he's been pitching really well since May ish, I believe. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's been he's, pitching pretty well. I mean, he's not the what was it twenty? No, fifteen. Jay you mean Arrieta? you mean he's not better than like Clayton Kershaw for like a three quarters of a season or whatever it was? Then no, that's always that's what's amazing is abnormal. You, you have guys who kind of like you know pop up and have great seasons. And then you have Clayton Kershaw, who's just always there. So that's why no matter who it is, whatever kind of season they have, just remember that Clayton Kershaw career-wise is better than everyone. Yes, except that he can't pitch in the postseason because he lacks the uh, TWTW. I guess. <laughs> no, that seriously, that is – dude, you, you, you see yeah, that every year. It's like – anyway, yeah, Clayton, Clayton Kershaw apparently turns into a, a – a, cowardly person pitcher thing. There was a joke there, but I missed it. So let's continue on and wrap this up. Okay. Uh, there are a few guys with opt-out clauses. Uh, Johnny Cueto, Masahira. No, he's not opting out. No, we were we were discussing this earlier. Uh, Cueto is unlikely to opt out. He had a pretty shaky season this year. Masahiro Tanaka had Would a bad season. Would be crazy to opt out. Yeah, he's better off. And Tanaka's only 28, so if he, he gets through his contract, he can be a free agent again at 31 if he writes the ship. Um, Ian Kennedy was another one who could opt out and would be maybe a little more interesting for the Brewers. Maybe, but I well, I mean, they're, out. they're not going to three for 43 left. I, I would be surprised, too. Well, and we maybe. also talked about uh, Ian Kennedy is a fly ball pitcher who – Particularly ill-suited to Miller Park. Yeah. yeah, he's done all right in Kansas City and San Diego. And then Wei Chin Wen, or Wei Yin Chen. Easy for me to say. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, he's, Again, these I are, don't, I, hard to see him walking away from three for 52, but maybe. I mean, it's... Well, what will be interesting, I mean, I don't know if some of these guys are going to want to try to... Uh, draft off of big contracts from Darvish and Arietta, like that would be the only reason to opt out is they think those guys are going to reset the market. Yeah, that would be the yes, which yeah, maybe they do, but I still don't think Cueto or Tanaka opt out. There is a, there's a substantial amount of money floating around the game right now, but it's hard for it to get to the players because the, the harder and People talk about baseball not having a salary cap. It's really not true. The uh, MLB has, over the last like three CBAs, has worked harder and harder to make it more and more perilous and more give more punishment to teams that go up over the luxury tax threshold to the point where it's now really, really hard for teams to really want to be above that because you just get slammed with – you lose draft picks, you uh, – the the amount of tax that gets paid on it, you're just paying through the nose sure. to be up over those amounts. So these teams that would you would think would normally give these big dollar contracts to like you Darvish and Jake Arrieta, some of them have some some wiggle room, and we'll see. Like, do the Phillies decide to re-enter the the fray? Do the Astros make a big push and say, hey, you know, we're in the fourth largest market in the country. We have all this money that we haven't been spending. We have a really good young team. We could do it too. But if it's if we're if you're looking at for it to come from the Yankees, the Dodgers, the Cubs, um, the Red Sox, teams like that, I I they're and a lot of them are also going to be saving up money for the bonanza of twenty 
19. Well, exactly. Yeah. When Harper and Machado and guys like that, hit the, the, potentially the Clay Kershaw. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, there's not as much there. I, we'll see what the, the market does. It's, it might not be quite as as robust as people are expecting, but hey, yeah. what do I know? So I, th- there are a few names that I think would be interesting that hopefully may, the Brewers might be able to just sweep in and get for a deal. Um, Lance Lynn, Alex Cobb, and Marco Estrada. What do you think any of any of those guys? It, Lynn is interesting. I think it would kill Breen. I think he really dislikes watching Lackey pitch. I, if I remember right. Lackey, the, I didn't say John Or sorry, uh, Lynn. Lynn. Lance Lynn. Lance Lynn, yeah. He he does not. Everybody hates watching John Lackey pitch. Well, yeah. But Lance Lynn especially. I mean, he's he's very much just a fastball, fastball, fastball pitcher. Um, I don't know that I – I mean, part of it is just like, do you want to have the uh, – go to the Cardinals former cast off well I mean again. I'll say like Lynn, <laughs> Lynn is more of more of a hard thrower than the he other is. guys well that but that's also you have to adjust for everybody's a hard thrower now like the you know but Lynn still is a harder thrower than when they got uh sure Supon or Loesch yeah exactly yeah so um Alex, true. Alex Cobb's another guy he's had kind of a weird year you know, he had success before. He had injuries this year. I think people still like his peripherals, even though his production's been so-so. Marco Estrada, we've seen that show before. He could, it could work. I don't know that I want to get into spending. I don't know that I want to go into committing, you know, more than like a year or two to anybody at this point. It just doesn't seem, especially on that end of things. I wonder somebody like another person on the list here, CeCe Sabathia. If he wanted to come back and be like, if it was a, hey, the Brewers would really like to have you back and to make you, you know, part of a a pretty young rotation with they do have a fairly young rotation and, you know, help that out and bridge that gap. I don't know if that would be something he'd be interested in or, yeah, he has offers elsewhere, but he's been, he seems to have recovered somewhat. So, he he seemed to be on his on his way out. I mean, of that's baseball. one. If if maybe he's happy with what he's done with his career, he just wants like a you know victory lap back in Milwaukee. Yeah, or he may just say, "Hey, I've made a lot of money. I'd rather just you know give the Yankees a, a an extension for a year and go year to year or something. Who knows? It, it, that one will come down to kind of what he wants to do because he definitely doesn't." He he's not in the the market for you know the life changing money. He already got that. So no. so, um, yeah. Like I oh, said, a lot a lot of the stuff other is one. Be, oh, we okay. were talking about quite a bit. Danny Duffy. Mm-hmm. Duffy is particularly interesting. That could be. I mean, you're talking about a 28 year old, and he has, uh, really over the last few years, especially, he has struck out a lot of batters and does not walk many. The peripherals are there. He is an interesting an interesting guy he has had some he's missed some time so that's uh you know a potential a potential roadblock there and he probably would be he has benefited somewhat from playing in uh in Kansas City where it's not as as much of a home run environment as Milwaukee is I mean the problem with Duffy is he's probably gonna he's gonna be more expensive than like the last three we just talked about with Lynn Cobb and Estrada yeah, I mean, if the Brewers wanted to seriously talk about Duffy... Duffy's going to be a legit free agent signing. Yeah, you'd think it would be at least four years and well into... 
well past 10 million a year. Oh yeah. Yeah. Easily, easily. Yeah. So you're talking about, you know, an offer like four for 75, maybe not getting it done. Something like that. Okay. Quato has four for 84. Tanaka has three for 67. You know, Kennedy has three for 43. Like I said, those were the guys who were the opt out guys. So I would imagine Duffy's going to be more expensive than, yeah, Duffy. Duffy's kind of a, a sneaky one. I, I'd be interested to see it. the market could go kind of crazy for him because he's a guy that doesn't have quite the innings load that some guys have had. And over the last two years, he's striking out eight point eight per nine, walking two point two. Um, you know, an ERA plus of one twenty three. He's a, he's been a very legit starting pitcher in the big leagues. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's possible, but he's going to have he's going to have a robust market. In fact, it, honestly, probably the Cubs will probably, since they really are looking for starting pitching, Cubs could be a, a very big player on that market. I'm sure they're going to be on in on everybody. They're going to have their priorities, but they're going to be in on everybody just yeah. so they make sure they have a fallback plan. So uh, it should be an interesting offseason. Obviously, the Brewers are going to have a lot of decisions to make. Hopefully, they can uh, push off having to make too many uh, with a good week here at the end of the season and possibly catching the Rockies. But like I said, we're both we're hopeful, but we're not going to be crazy about what the chances are at this I'll point. I'll be at all three games. So the three remaining sure. home games, I'm going. So, Like I said, hopeful, but we're not going to go go crazy right. placing bets that they make it to the postseason. So. But really, I mean, the important thing, and we've said it over and over, I think we've probably said this at almost every podcast at this point, the fact that the Brewers are where they're at, even if they don't finish the deal and get into the playoffs, this season has been nothing but a success. And it's, un, it, you know, in some ways it's unfortunate that it, it might end with, you know, a downer like this where they, they got close but couldn't make it and had some, some tough losses against, you know, teams like the Cubs because it obscures a little bit how good this season has been for them and how important... Well, how far they've outplayed expectations. Right, and the the individual development that guys have made and just the fact that they came together and you have this really what... It feels like a very special like atmosphere and um, camaraderie with the group that you could just sort of see that they really legitimately absolutely love um, doing what they're doing. And that's, you know... It isn't always that way. Sometimes there's there's tension and anger and, you know, in ways that they're just, from the outside at least, don't appear to be with this team. So no matter what, it's been fun and you really, you know, it, it's kind of looking a gift horse in the mouth to really complain about too much at this well, point. Well, and again, we'll see what happens the next pod. We're going to basically be able to talk about whether we're going to be watching a wild card game or – whether it was just a great season, and I hope everybody had a good time watching it. So uh, that's going to do it for the show this week. As always, follow us on Twitter at MKE Tailgate, and you can submit questions at milwaukees.tailgate at gmail.com or through our Facebook page for Milwaukee's Tailgate Baseball Podcast. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher, and you can also leave reviews and help people find the podcast. Thanks for listening, and look for us again next week on Milwaukee's Tailgate.